Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Come Follow Me Today, a brief message to help us experience an additional spiritual moment in our otherwise complicated lives. My name is Caleb Sanford, and thank you for joining me as we accept Christ's invitation to follow him today. If you're joining us for the first time, we're studying the Old Testament of the Bible, loosely following the study curriculum of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All right. In today's episode, we're going to try to figure out what's going on with Jacob and Esau, the two sons of Isaac, who is the son of Abraham. Well, in these Old Testament stories, there isn't a lot of backstory to help us understand character development, but I'm guessing that these two boys had a fair amount of competition between them. They were twins, but not identical, either physically, emotionally, or spiritually. And from day one, they were vying for their parents' attention. Quote, And when Rebekah's days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, all over like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out. And his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And the boys grew. And Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob, end quote. So Esau was the big brawny workhorse in the family, hunting for the meat, tending to their fields. And Jacob was probably not as strong physically, but helped his mother tend the camp, probably did the trading in the market for the family, probably more the educated type. Keep in mind that their parents were really old when they were born, so Jacob and Esau probably had to take care of a lot of the family's business, which was extensive because of Isaac's previous prosperity. You can imagine that Jacob was probably envious that Isaac showed Esau so much attention. But at the same time, Esau was probably jealous of Jacob that their mother seemed to dote on him more than Esau. So, like any brothers, they had a complicated relationship. I'm sure deep down they loved each other, but probably had intense sibling rivalry. So in comes Esau, famished after a day in the fields, unable to move another muscle. Jacob had been at home all day and had a lentil stew cooking on the fire. Quote, and Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. End quote. Now let's stop here for a minute and pretend that we don't know the rest of this story. If you were Jacob and your twin brother had just come home from a hard day's work in the fields that put food on your table and you had a hot meal already cooked, most likely for the family to begin with, what would you have done? Now let's say you also knew that Jacob would go on to be a chosen servant of God and would father the nations of Israel that you and I as Christians would later be adopted into. What would you expect him to do in this situation? Well, the right thing to do would have been to give his weary brother some food, maybe even bring him some water to wash his hands and feet with, show appreciation that he had been out working the family fields all day. But that's obviously not what happened. Quote, and Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob, end quote. So Jacob takes advantage of the situation and extorts Esau into selling him his birthright as the oldest child in exchange for a bowl of soup. Now, obviously, this was a poor choice by Esau. He wasn't really at the brink of death. He was just really hungry. 
He placed a higher priority on immediate gratification than he did on his long-term future. But look, Esau was a teenager or maybe a young adult. I'm pretty sure you and I can relate to not having our priorities straight when we were younger. So are we really going to judge Esau forever based on this slip-up? All right, now this is where the story gets even more complicated. Fast forward until Jacob and Esau are 40 years old, which makes Isaac 100 years old, having been three score years old when they were born. Isaac is old, feeble, mostly blind, and probably not going to make it much longer. So he calls Esau and tells him to go on a hunt and bring back some of the venison that Isaac loves. And then Isaac wants to give Esau his blessing before he dies. Now, Rebecca, hearing this, wants the blessing for Jacob. Rebecca had previously had a vision where the Lord had told her that her elder son was to serve her younger son. Combine that with the fact that Jacob already was her favorite son, she concocts a plan to dress Jacob up like Esau and have him impersonate his brother in order to get his father's blessing. Remember, his father is blind, so can't see what's going on. Jacob agrees to do this without much hesitation. His worry was not so much that lying to his father's face was blatantly the wrong thing to do, but only worried that he would get caught. Quote, My father peradventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son, only obey my voice. End quote. Well, the plan goes off without a hitch. Except when Esau gets back, he's angry and vows to kill Jacob after his father passes away. So Rebekah, fearing for her son's life, convinces her husband that it's in their best interest to send Jacob away to her brother's house to find a wife. And so Jacob skips town before Esau has the chance to kill him. Now let's fast forward another 20 years. Jacob has had to work for his uncle Laban these last 20 years, essentially as an indentured servant in exchange for marrying his two daughters. He's become very prosperous, but decides that he's tired of working for his uncle and that it's time to take his family of 12 sons and one daughter and his wives and all his herds back home. But remembering that the last time he saw Esau, he had stolen their father's blessing, not to mention Esau's birthright, Jacob is scared to make the journey. He decides to send loads of gifts ahead of him with servants for his brother Esau, hoping that the gifts will convince Esau not to kill him on sight. Well, to Jacob's astonishment, when Esau sees him, quote, and Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept, end quote. All right, what a happy ending. So what do we learn from the story of these two twin brothers? Well, at first glance, I struggle with Jacob. He extorted his brother into selling his birthright, and then to rub salt in the wounds, he openly lies to his father, the patriarch of the family, in order to get his blessing. This all just seems selfish. But if I'm being honest with myself, I wasn't the perfect brother either growing up, which I'm sure my brothers would attest to. We fought all the time and always tried to get the upper hand against each other. As a young adult, I made all sorts of bad decisions and very likely caused my share of pain to others, just like Jacob did. But then Jacob grows up. He has to. He's forced to work hard for 14 years just to marry his dream girl and then stays on another six to try to build a life for them. He probably learned from his mistakes. The Bible doesn't mention when Jacob's mother died, but it's quite possible that he missed the last years of her life. 
there were consequences to his actions. Despite being a man of the tents before, while living with Laban, he had to work hard in the fields, which may have given him new respect for Esau. In short, because of the choices Jacob made before leaving home, he had a very difficult life for a while. But the main lesson I learned from Jacob's story is that the Lord uses imperfect people to bring to pass his work. Despite whatever shortcomings Jacob may have had, he always listened to God and did what he was asked to do. Because of this, the Lord was able to build the nation of Israel through Jacob, which has changed the world. This is the best that you and I can hope for for ourselves also, to be diligent disciples of Christ, be willing to serve God and do whatever he needs us to do, and hope that the Lord is able to use us to accomplish his work. But the real hero for me in this story is Esau. Esau was not the best big brother in the world to Jacob. At the culmination of their sibling rivalry, Esau swore in his anger that he would kill Jacob. And because of this, he lost 20 years of being with his twin brother. He missed going to Jacob's weddings. He missed getting to be an uncle to Jacob's first children. He missed his brother. And the fact that it had been his anger that had forced Jacob to flee, this probably tormented him for years after. To the point that when Jacob finally returned home, quote, Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. He refused to accept Jacob's peace offerings because Esau knew that his sin had been even worse than Jacob's. He was just glad to have his brother home, to be able to bury their father Isaac together, to be able to take his new nephews out hunting. Now, for you and me, we've all either damaged relationships with our own family members or been hurt ourselves by their actions. That, I think, is inevitable for families. But the lesson we can learn from Jacob and Esau, and can hopefully apply to our own families, is that regardless of what's happened in the past, no matter who has taken advantage of who, or said hurtful things, or out of pride caused pain and suffering to others, at the end of the day, we're family. We only have the brothers and sisters that our parents were blessed with, and we'll never have any more. And so the question is, can we forget the past? Can we recognize our own role in whatever damage has been caused in relationships? Can we let go of our emotional baggage and forgive each other? And when we next see our family, can we run to meet them, embrace them, fall on their necks, kiss them, and weep together out of happiness that we're together again? This is why Heavenly Father put us into family units. And if we've lost these relationships, we've lost everything. So let's you and I strive to be like Jacob. And regardless of what decisions we may have made before, let's make sure we are always listening to God, always doing what he wants us to do, and try to move forward a better disciple of Christ. And let's also strive to be like Esau and forgive our family members of anything that may be lingering from the past and just be glad that we have them and make sure they know that we love them. Thank you for listening today, and I'll see you next week.